1 Kings. So we're in 1 Kings 19. I believe we're familiar with this uh, portion of scripture. And we started last week talking about encouragement. And uh, uh, the first week we talked about discouragement, how you get discouraged, if you will. And, uh, and this week we're going to take and see the second half of the chapter and see what God did to encourage um, Elijah. Uh, just by way of remembrance, verses 1 through 4 told us how he got into this state, if you will. The Bible says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, and withal how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Uh, then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. Uh, and when he saw that, he arose and he went for his life, and he came to Beersheba, which uh, belongeth to Judah, and he left his servant there. And he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree. And so, if you will, uh, he, he's, he's discouraged, he's oppressed. The Bible says, and he requested for himself that he might die. And he said, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am, for I am not better than my father's. Let's talk about discouragement just for a second here. How many of you all believe uh, Elijah was a prophet? Yeah. How many? Miracle worker? had seen miracles, had been talked to by God. Y'all with me? And he's dealing with discouragement because the queen says, I'm going to kill you. I want you to think about this. How many of y'all think theologically he knew God was more powerful than Jezebel? Y'all with me? And if you will, he, he theologically he knew how powerful God was, and he, he knew uh, that you know he had victory in the Lord. Do we have victory in Jesus? Amen? And, uh, and so theologically, a lot of times we know these things, and yet as we live life, a lot of times life gets us down. Life defeats us. Uh, why? Uh, well, we kind of talked about that last week, but I would like to ex explore this question just a little bit. Why is it that we get down? Uh, let me ask this. I think this might help. Was Jezebel's threat real? Could she have killed him if God didn't want him dead? So theologically, the threat is real. And yet the knowledge is she can't touch me if God doesn't want me dead. The corollary to that is if God does want me dead, he might use her to do it. <laughs> okay. And then the, the, the further thought from that is I don't want to die. Okay. And yet he requested for himself to die. Okay. And so, you know, sometimes words come out of a person's mouth that they don't mean. Uh, sometimes uh, you're in a state of mind that is illogical, in a sense, okay? And uh, that is one reason that a lot of times when we're trying to help somebody and we give them the Bible, and I'm not talking about they want to have a Bible study, you're trying to fix them. And you hit them with a couple Bible verses. And what's their first response going to be when you do that? I mean, think about it. I mean, it happens just all the time to me. It's, I know that already. Remember what we said as a premise? He already knew the theology. And, and to be quite honest with you, sometimes when we're in the trial, we know the theology. We 
know the verse. We know the verse that we should be using sometimes, and yet sometimes it's not real. Can we talk about that for a minute? Why is it, why is it so hard when you're the one in the trial to believe the promises that you already know? Why is it hard? Okay. So there's a doubt or a fear that promise doesn't apply to me. Would that be a lack of faith? Would it? I mean, I'm I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just trying to trying to help us to be real for a second. So I I, I don't want to make it a bad thing. I mean, have, I, have we all been there at one time or another? How about this? Have we all been there more than one time or another? <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact, to be quite honest with you, we'll probably struggle with this next week. All of us will. All of us will. Because all of us are in a walk of faith. And day by day, our faith is always being challenged, isn't it? And so there's a lot of times where you take and you say, well, I know these things. I know these things. But it's personal. It's personal. And so you, you just have to quite often make these choices. And... Um, Think about this for a second. When do we end up making those choices as people of faith quite often? We've talked about these things in the past, but let's, let's kind of put these things together here a little bit. When do we finally embrace some of these truths? We don't do it right away because he didn't do it right away. Here in a second, I'm going to say that sometimes you just need a nap, okay? You guys know the text, right? So I'm going to tell you, sometimes you just need a nap. How come sometimes after a nap, your theology all of a sudden starts working? You guys know what I'm talking about? You reset your mind. Yeah. Because he was running and he was fleeing and he was in panic mode here. But once he got himself set, settled and established, the Bible talks about that, settled and established and fixed, then he's like, oh, okay, well, I guess I am. You know, it's kind of, no, I'm still alive, you know. And, and so um, I think the reason, I'm, I'm so glad that God puts what we might call flawed characters in his book. Why? Because we're in a church full of flawed characters, are we not? And, and so if you will, uh, it's easy to be super spiritual until it's happening to you. Every, everybody's got that humble, resigned, mm-hmm. And I think we all know what I'm talking about. You have all the answers for everybody else's problems, but when they're your problems, it's a different matter. It's a different thing. And so, you know, I'm glad that God put Elijah in here. Glad uh, Elijah couldn't have been more of a man of God. What a tremendous testimony. What a tremendous life of faith. I mean, he has had miracle after miracle. And the miracle, if you will, for it to show itself, he had to demonstrate faith for the miracle to show itself. You all understand that? Go to a, go to a river brook and I'll have a crow feed you. Oh, okay. <laughs> go, go to this widow's house. I'll feed you over there. Yes, Lord. You know, and, 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 and just have a short prayer and I'll throw down fire. From, yes, Lord. He's seen all that. Amen. And yet when one woman, one little thing, one moment in time, 
one moment of weakness. And do we all have moments of weakness? Or, listen, there's a corollary again to that. Boy, I'm using corollary a lot. Please forgive me. Uh, when we have too much strongness, what do I mean by that? I can handle it, I can handle it, I can handle it, I can handle it until you can't handle it anymore. You guys understand? And so if you will, I think that, that this is a wonderful picture of us sometimes whenever we do finally get down is, is our strength is out, our reserves are tapped, we talked about our bank is empty, and, and, and if you will, all it took was that little nudge and then boom, he's into the point where he's saying, just take me home, Lord. Just, just take my life. I'm, I'm done. I've, it's enough. That's what he said. It says right there. He says, it is enough. I've, I've done enough. I've done enough. And, of course, God then says, no, you still have more to do. Okay, we'll look at that here in a second. All right. So, if you will, we, we, we see discouragement, what leads to discouragement. And, and so now I want to talk about what leads to encouragement. Notice verse 5. And in verse 5, the Bible says, And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And uh, uh, the Bible says, And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. What kind of cake do y'all think that was? Huh? Good cake. <laughs> I was thinking that. Honestly, what kind Listen, it's, it sounds funny, but what kind of cake do you think that was? A tortilla, maybe? What did you say? No? What kind of cake do you think it was? It's, uh, yeah. It had to be said. <laughs> it had to be said. Yeah. By the way, I, I vote with the German chocolate, too. That's good. Um, if I was to guess, and I'm just guessing, I would think it would be a barley cake. Because, I mean, that's pretty much what they had. They had poor, that's poor man's food. He was poor man. It's probably what he was used to eating. And uh, what do poor men eat? What do hard laboring men eat a hundred years ago? Talk. Corn. Did you say corn? Okay. Honestly, did anybody ever eat like cornbread for breakfast? I don't know. Did you? Okay. What else did we eat for breakfast, poor people? Oatmeal, corn mush. Yeah. I was. Uh, we have our granddaughter uh, Claire with us today, and so we were watching Cocoa Melon, and we were doing the itsy bitsy spider. And who's the on the tuffet? Is it Little Miss Muffet on the tuffet? was eating her curds and whey. Do you know what curds and whey is? Cottage cheese. Yeah, it's cottage cheese, okay? And so, anyhow, that's kind of a poor person's food. Uh, uh, folks, the, the farmers, how many of y'all have noticed um, chickens crowing in your neighborhood? That's the new thing. Everybody raises chickens now. What do they do it for? They raise them for the eggs. And so, poor people grew up eating you know, they put their hogs up. How I many here, I gotta ask, just to be nostalgic here for a second, because I'm trying to make a point. Has anybody here ever processed a pig the old fashioned way? Have you? Okay. And so you would take your cuts of meat and salt them and make your hams, and you would eat your white meat and stuff, and, 
and then you would turn everything else into sausage and you would take and you would put it in a barrel and uh, wind it up and then you pour grease fat over the top of it to preserve it. Am I, am I saying true so far? Yeah. And so then throughout the year you would take and dig through that pig fat and pull out some sausage and you'd have your sausage uh, for the rest of the year or however long a pig lasts. And uh, I was taught that by, um, help me now, by the Heston, Glenn Heston. And Glenn Heston and uh, Shirley, they, they were old-fashioned. I mean, they put their pigs up, and they processed 100 chickens at a time. They ate their own farm-fresh eggs. And we're not supposed to eat any of that anymore. Try to make a point here. Why aren't we supposed to eat sausage and eggs for breakfast anymore? Bad for you, right? By the way, how many of y'all still like eggs in the morning? Amen. Good. We're all spiritual here. Um, I, I I might be not right about this, but I think I'm pretty close to right about this. You remember when you could go eat breakfast for like two bucks? Your son told me, you got to eat it, the Big Biscuit in Springfield, Pastor. Big Biscuit, that's, ooh, that's a good place to eat. We had two eggs, hash browns, sausage, toast, and coffee. And after tip, Mindy and I walked out of there for 50 bucks. <laughs> it was good. My wife's is better. <laughs> My whole point is this, is, is guys... We have taken that food that we're not supposed to eat eggs, but I tell you what you should eat. You should eat breakfast cereal. See, breakfast cereals. Well, I mean, the original stuff. And then they said nobody likes eating that. Nobody will buy it. So then they started putting sugar on it. And today, I mean, if you want to, you can give yourself a coma from eating sugar. You can't eat cookies anymore because you have to eat the low-fat cookies. And Oreos cost $2 a box, and the low-fat cookies cost $7. And, folks, what I'm trying to tell you is this, is to be quite honest with you, a lot of what our diet has changed from the poor person's food. By the way, that actually is eating rich man's food when you're eating eggs and sausage. What did most people eat for breakfast 150, 100, 100 years ago? Anybody know? If you had it. Now, I'm, I'm not trying to be clever. You know what most people ate for breakfast? What they had for dinner. But, I mean, I don't know. Growing up, my favorite breakfast was Chinese food. <laughs> Chinese leftovers. I used to love them. And so you would have leftovers from the night before. My, my whole point is this. Is, uh, are eggs good for you? Well, you haven't read the latest study. Well, it all depends on which latest study you've read. Okay, therein it lies my point. A lot of times they'll tell you something is bad for you just so they can sell you something, by the way, that ends up being worse for you. You guys remember Olestra? Olestra was a fat that was supposed to have less cholesterol. It was going to make it so that we could eat all the potato chips we wanted to. The only problem is, is the Olestra was killing you. Okay, the diet, that's the sugar substitute in your beverages is worse than the sugar that you're putting in it. Is that true? Okay, so here's, here's the whole point. B 
because the first point is this, is if we're going to take and be encouraged, you realize sometimes we need to have proper nutrition, okay? Because that's the first thing that God did for him. After he gave him a nap, he gave him a meal. And the Bible says he gave him, if you will, a cake. And, 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 and though I agree with Miss Nancy, I don't think it was German chocolate. To be quite honest with you, I think it was probably a barley cake. And then the Bible says a cruise of water, okay? And so my point is, is what is our diet today? Our diet would be unrecognizable to somebody in this time period. Matter of fact, they'd look at it and say, you eat that? Y'all understand? And, 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 and yet our nutrition today, because our nutrition is so messed up because of the products that we eat and, and the beverages that we consume. And by the way, it's the beverages that are probably killing us faster than anything else. And, and if you will, because of our lack of nutrition, sometimes we get down physically. We don't feel good. Uh, anybody, I, every once in a while, I have a guilty pleasure. I like to have a Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi or whatever. I, can, I can't tell the difference. I don't care. Okay. But um, I'll feel terrible after eating that or drinking that Diet Coke. And you say, well, it's because of sugar in there. You're like, yeah, but I still like it. Okay. Well, my whole point is this, is that when we live in a world where the nutrition is truly so bad that every other commercial on TV is for a nutritional supplement because your body's breaking down because of what you're eating. Am I, am I saying what's true? And so, uh, I, listen, I'm not up here to tell you some type of nutritional guru. I'm just trying to tell you that sometimes we get discouraged because our nutrition is poor. His nutrition has been poor. He hadn't been eating, and he's certain, I'm sure he had been eating right because he'd been eating what the Lord had been providing, but I don't know what kind of nutrition crows and meal at the bottom of the barrel. You're eating the same thing all the time. You all understand that. And it's very possible that his, his nutrition got very poor. And so good nutrition uh, led to being strengthened. How long was he strengthened? The Bible tells us in the next verse there, in uh, verse 8. Look what the Bible says. It says, uh, in verse 8, it says, And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat, or that meal, if you will, 40 days. Okay, now, having said that, I think there's some miraculous aspect to that, don't you? Um, but he ate two meals of cake and water, okay? And so I, I believe, like I said, barley, cake, and water. And he went in the strength of that 40 days. You, you cannot live on a lack of good nutrition for 40 days, <laughs> okay? I mean, you could eat a really good meal. Most of us aren't going to go for 40 days, okay? Now, there's other aspects of that, but I'm going to move on, okay? You all understand this. The whole point was this. You're down, you're discouraged, have something to eat. Take a nap. Actually, take a nap, have something to eat. And then he woke up and says, take another nap, have something else to eat, okay? And so, if you will, God addressed, if you will, proper nutrition, but he also addressed proper sleep. Now I'm meddling, okay? But I would imagine most of us probably, probably don't get proper sleep. How much sleep should uh, an adult human being 45 years old get? Six to eight hours probably. I would say six to eight. So if you're getting less than that, and if you're getting up all night, can it lead to discouragement? Anybody here can have a bad night. Say amen, I'll move on. But when it becomes a lifestyle, 
And when it becomes abnormal to the point that you notice it, meaning I can't sleep at night, well, you're going to end up worn out and anxious. And then if you get worn out and anxious and instead of sleeping six to eight, you start sleeping ten, well, everybody needs a good night's sleep every once in a while, okay? But pretty soon you're sleeping twelve, and pretty soon you can't get up out of bed. Folks, we call that depression. Y'all understand? And so, if you will, it's very important for us to monitor our sleep just to make sure. I, I talked with my son the other day, and we were talking about CPAPs. And to be honest with you, there's times I don't sleep well because I can't breathe. And, um, and he said, you ought to go get a, a study about that. And so I kind of researched some of that, and, and he said that your blood pressure will go down if you get a good night's sleep. And he was telling me this. I'm like, what in the world? He goes, oh, yeah. He said, you start getting good sleep. He said, your blood pressure will go down. Why? Because it takes, it takes the stress out of your body by getting a good night's sleep. Now, I don't want to point at any of us. So I'll point at all. But to be quite honest with you, it can get to a point with all of us that abnormal sleep becomes normal sleep. Y'all understand that? And so it ought to be something that we ought to monitor, okay? Going to bed on time and getting up with an alarm clock if necessary to take into control how long that you're sleeping. And, and it's like I said, I'm sure that we're, 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 we're pointing the finger at all of us at some time or another. But I will tell you, if your anxiety level or your stress level or your discouragement level is abnormal, it might be good to say... I need to get my sleep under control, okay? Uh, a good nap's good. You know, a half-hour nap's probably healthy, and a four-hour nap's probably too much. You all understand? And so I, I, I don't want to meddle now. I've, I've made my point. So what leads to encouragement? Sometimes we've got to take care of ourselves uh, physically. Get your sleep in order. Get your nutrition in order. And if those things aren't in order, maybe suspect that, that uh, that's part of the problem. By the way, what do we take when those things are out of order? You guys are saying it. Say it louder so I know who's saying it. Medication or you go to the herb store and get some herbs, right? And by the way, in a sense, all those things are nutritional supplements, okay? The medicine is just a more concentrated form of what they find in those nutritional supplements, by and large. And so what we're saying is, is I'm going to do without what is, what's God's plan, nutrition and sleep. And I'm going to take and substitute it for nutritional supplements. And if you haven't noticed, those things are expensive. I'll, I'll be, I'll just confess to you, I got a basket full of them. And, and you'll take, and you'll take and say, well, I'm feeling this way, so I need to take that. I'm feeling that way, so I need to take that. And to be quite honest with you, if I was eating right and sleeping right, I probably wouldn't eat any of it. Okay, and so I'm, 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 I'm pointing three back at me, but I'm just telling you, that's the Bible, and that's what he's talking about right there. He's talking about sleep and nutrition. Let's talk about emotional encouragement. So it, we talked about, if you will, that he was discouraged body, soul, and spirit. Okay, he was discouraged body, soul, and spirit. And so we've addressed the body aspect. Now let's talk about the soul aspect, okay? So go to verse 10, if you will. And we'll see how he got himself encouraged emotionally. 
In verse 10, the Bible says this, And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Okay. Well, what's he doing there? Well, folks, he's talking to God. Okay. Is he talking to God? Is he right about what he's saying? No. Wait a minute. Is he right about how he feels about what he's saying? How many of y'all think he feels this way? Okay. Does God condemn him for doing it? He never did. He never did. Okay. And by the way, even in the book of Job, when Job is complaining, God never really criticizes Job for that. Because at the very end, he just says, where were you when I did this? He's basically saying, Job, you don't understand, so just shut up. So you know what Job, Job said? I'm going to shut up. Okay? And so he was never really convicted for complaining because he was just saying, that's just a hurting man telling me how he's hurting. Okay? I think God understands when we're hurting. Amen? And, and we might, listen, if you get sideways with God, if you say something that's unkind or untrue, of course... It would be just like a human relationship. You would need to confess that, and you would need to apologize for that. But if you will, emotional encouragements, we need to talk to God. Who do people talk to today when they're depressed? Say it again. Psychiatrist. Counselor. Pastor. Friend. Amen? And by the way, there's a place and a time for all those things. Okay? But when we talk about the city of refuge, we talked about that a minute ago, where should we run to first? Run to God. I think. I think that's fair. Amen? We should run to God. Now, I would imagine, again, I'm pointing one out and three back. Okay? So, I'm, I'm, I'm really not trying. I want this to be as generic as possible. But, listen, I've been guilty to calling a friend instead of talking to God. I've been guilty of complaining to my wife instead of talking to God. Amen? And so if you will, when it comes to emotional encouragement, we need to talk to God. Just say, God, here's what I'm feeling, and, and here's how I'm stressed. And, and by the way, how do we talk to God? It sounds like a silly question, but how do we talk to God? Pray? Yeah? How do we talk to God? He is a person. Very good. You know, the Bible invites us to talk to him as a friend. Help me for a second. Is, is God your friend? Now, theologically, we know this. Theologically. But do we know it practically sometimes? Wait a minute. God's my friend. And take this the right way, because I'm, I'm trying to make an illustration here. Have you ever said something to your friend that was kind of mean and unkind? But you know they can handle it because they're your friend. Now, you don't want to do it too long. You understand? But my whole point is this, is I think we can be real with God. And even though he already knows, have you ever just needed to say it? I've come to the conclusion, and, and honestly... Other than preaching, 
Anymore, when I have conversations with human beings, more often than not, I'm just listening. The other day, I had an opportunity to talk with a friend. I was talking with a friend, and I kept trying to tell him a story, and every time that I started to tell a story, he had a story he really needed to get out. And I, mean, I literally, I, I would say, for about an hour. And about halfway through the conversation, I'm like, this guy's lonely and just needs a friend to tell his story to. By the way, if you, if you ever, I, I give a man an illustration. Have you ever had a hunting story that nobody wants to listen to? Man, that's frustrating. Because you're like, man, this, is, this happened, this happened, this happened. You're so excited about it. And the other person's like, oh, whatever. <laughs> and a friend would just sit there and listen. Why? Because you want to hear the guy wants to tell his story. Come on, men. Does anybody connect with that one? Have you ever caught a big fish? You just want to tell somebody about the big fish. You want to tell somebody about your amazing shot. You want to tell somebody about your car, how you waxed it. And, and you really, it encourages you to get to tell your story. Y'all understand? Folks, how many of y'all think if I understand that, God understands that? Y'all get it? Hey, they just need to tell me their story. Come here, son. Yeah, come. We've uh, got Clary, and she really loves her papa. I, uh, I've always been grandpa to everybody else. She calls me papa, but God, be honest with you, I kind of like it. <laughs> but she, 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 papa, and you know what the response to that is? <laughs> I have no idea what she's saying, but can I tell you this? She loves her papa for listening to her. Amen. And does that encourage you to get that off your chest? And I've just been wanting to tell somebody that. Amen. Sometimes it's walking in the woods. God, I just need to tell you this and you get it off your chest. We talk about praying, but to be quite honest with you, a lot of times we associate praying with being in a in a place and in a position. quite honest with you, it can be far more intimate than that. Because the Bible says, pray without, and you, you can't, by the way, I've scared a lot of people, it's like, my wife looked over, she goes, why are your eyes closed? <laughs> I just throw up a quick prayer, you drive, I'll pray, it's like, okay. <laughs> but can I just say this, you can, you can walk with him, and you can talk with him, it's like the hymn says. Come on now. And and get this, if we can get in the habit of that, that could lift our spirits. Amen. Well, nobody wants to listen to my story. And the Lord leans in. He says, I'll listen, son. I'll listen, son. You say, I don't have anybody to talk to. Folks, we always have somebody to talk to. We always have somebody to talk to. You see in verse 10 that he was encouraged emotionally because he talked to God. And then he allowed God to talk to him. And help me, we're going to see it here in a second here, but eventually the only way to allow God to talk to you is you've got to get quiet enough to hear him. Amen? Verse 11, the Bible says this. It says, uh, and he said, go forth and stand upon the, the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and a strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. Uh, 
glasses here. It says, and after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in uh, the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. By the way, how had God spoken in times past to his prophets? Well, in a whirlwind, a wind. In an earthquake, he made the ground tremble. In a fire, he just spoke to Elijah in a fire. Amen? Folks, if you will, those were all the ways that, that he was expecting God to speak to him. Because that's how God had done it in the past. Y'all remember when you got saved? How many of y'all, God was just speaking to your heart? Amen? And I mean, it was like... And then you started living for the Lord, and life still happens, and you're expecting that Mount Carmel moment, and God doesn't speak to us like that sometimes. But God always speaks to us in a still, small voice. Meaning what? When we just let things get quiet enough in life, okay, we'll hear God speak. You know, when God speaks to me, I don't know how he does it to you, but a lot of times God speaks to me when I'm meditating on his word. You know what I'm saying? We get a thought and we think about it, and God speaks to me. Yeah? Or sometimes you're just beside yourself, and, and, and you just put aside the noise of the world for a time, and you just, you finally hear it. You guys know what I'm talking about? Folks, how many of y'all realize you live in a noisy world? A noisy world. Yeah. And so we'll talk to God and throw out our complaints, and he's, well, you got your story out. That's good. But then it comes his time to respond, and to be quite honest with you, it sounds terrible to say this, sometimes then we got to stop talking. Stop expecting things a certain way. put that, that still small thought in my mind, I've been trying to respond to it. Okay? And to be honest with you, sometimes you don't know well, did I really need to do that? Yeah. Okay? I've been encouraged so far every time I've tried it. Every time I've tried it. I'm trying to get better at it. because I'm like everybody else. I struggle. But uh, if you will, emotional encouragement comes from talking to God, allowing God to talk to you, amen, in that still small voice. But then let's talk about, last of all, spiritual encouragement. So far, we've just dealt with the physical, okay, good rest, good nutrition, all right, will help encourage you. Uh, emotional, talk to God, allow God to talk to you, amen. And now spiritual, and you say, well, well, emotional was spiritual. No, 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 let's, let's talk about spiritual, spiritual encouragements. Look at verse 13. In verse 13, the Bible says, It was so when Elijah heard it, heard what? The still small voice. That he wrapped his face in a mantle, and he went out and he stood at the entering of the cave. And it makes me wonder 
if there was still a tornado and an earthquake going on outside, okay? Because he, he wraps his face in the mantle. I can't think why to do that other than he realizes that he's in the presence of God, okay? And so he takes and he's, you all understand? I mean, that's the picture I'm getting, okay? <coughs> and the Bible says that he wrapped his face in the mantle and, uh, and he went out and he stood in the entering of the cave. Okay? And so, if you will, he humbled himself before God. We, we sing that song, I Need Thee Every Hour. It's been a while since we sung that. I need thee every hour. You guys know the song? How many of us need him every hour? Theologically, we all do. Now, let me ask the question again. How many of us, when we find ourselves down and discouraged, need God every hour? Because to be quite honest with you, we've been going for a while not needing him. Y'all understand? And so it's actually good for us to have to come into his presence and say, God, I did it again. <laughs> Started running my race all by myself. I was in that yoke all by myself. Didn't have your yoke on me. Amen. I, I, amen. I'm all alone. He's already said that. Amen. And he had to humble himself and say, uh, I'm listening now, God. Can I, can I tell you this? I, I, uh, I got a, a friend of mine that um, we don't really agree on theology. We don't agree about God. But I've been trying to get a hold of him here lately. And who knows what kind of conversation we're going to have. But in my mind, I was thinking, why do you keep pursuing that relationship? And why is because I have a value in my life that I don't make temporary friends. Okay? Meaning if I was your friend, I am your friend. Well, what if you, I do this and this and this? You're my friend. Okay? Um, and I... get that from God. If a man desires to have a friend, he must show himself. How many of y'all have been unfriendly to God before? Y'all got it? And so really the humility comes in when you say, God, I haven't been much of a friend here lately. Amen? Okay. And so the humility of, of the spiritual relationship, amen, humility before God, and then finally, hearing God. Look at the second part of verse 13. He says, And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? By the way, God never asks a question he doesn't know the answer to. He's saying, Elijah, do you know how you got here? Okay? How did you get used up? And how did you get discouraged? And how did you want to end your life? How did you get here? I don't really think he's talking about the 40 days of food that got him to this spot think he's talking about everything. How did you get here? Amen. Look at verse 18. Verse 18, he says, Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. You know what he said? He said, I only am a prophet of the Lord. And God said, okay, I have 7,000 more. 
it doesn't really matter what he said there, okay? Because the spiritual encouragement is he was finally humble enough to hear what God was saying. And he, he was discouraged because he says, I'm the only one left and I'm tired of fighting by myself. Amen? And I'll promise you this, God's going to leave you to fight on your own sometimes. Why? Because he's trying to get you to pair up with him. <laughs> Amen? But we see that to be spiritually encouraged, you've got to be humble before God, and then you finally got to hear him, okay? Hear him. And I'll promise you, sometimes you've got to get really quiet to hear God, okay? Lord, what were you saying with this visit? What were you saying with this traffic incident? What were you saying, amen? And by the way, God can speak to us in all those areas, can he not? And then we need to become honest before God. Look what the Bible says in verse 14. Verse 14, the Bible says, and he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Amen. Now listen, he's being honest. He's being honest about how he feels. Okay. I'll tell you this, that sometimes even in personal relationships, and let's talk about families now sometimes, Sometimes it's hard for the husband to tell the wife exactly what he's feeling. Because you're ashamed of yourself, or you feel weak, or you just don't want to say it. Okay? Maybe a wife, sometimes it's hard for you to tell a husband what you're feeling. You guys know what I'm talking about? And can I tell you that the only time you're having true communication is when you can both give each other permission to be honest. Just say what you need to say. We'll deal with it. Say what you need to say. By the way, we know most of this is true. I've done this, and I've done that, and I've done that. Yeah, you have. You have. You have. Okay? But you can do it. I can do all things through Christ. I mean, you, you can do it. I was there with you. I, I was helping. <laughs> I was the one that sent fire down from heaven, by the way. Amen? All right? And so humility and hearing and honesty. And then he gave him some help to get back to work. Look what the Bible says in verse 15. In verse 15, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto him, Go, and return thy way into the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Haziel uh, to be king over Syria. Verse 16 says, Anoint Jehu over Israel. And then uh, number 17, uh, 18 talks about, uh, oh, excuse me, get ahead of myself here. Verse 17. Oh, there we go, Elisha. He says, uh, Anoint Elisha also, Okay. Well, what did he do? You know what he did? He said, you've had your rest. We've had our talk. Now it's time to get back to work. Okay? And I'll give you one last illustration, but I've, I've sat by the deathbed of many faithful saints, and especially old, sick saints. Okay? Quite often, their complaint to me is, why has the Lord left me here? Why has the Lord left? And the reason that they're discouraged is they feel like they have no more purpose. Can I help, help you and hopefully you get a hold of this? If God has you here, you have a purpose. Everybody say amen or I'm going to be preaching. <laughs> if God has left you here, you still have a purpose. Well, what do you mean? I don't know. Maybe you can encourage a child. Maybe you can do something for your neighbor. Maybe you can be in prayer for the pastor. I, come on now, amen. You say, well, I don't, I don't know why the Lord has you here. And you know what he said? He said, you still got to anoint two kings and one prophet. Now go get to work. Okay? And that's exactly what he did. 
I will tell you this, when we get down, and if we're still here in life, we need to realize God still has a purpose and a plan for us. We just need to get quiet enough.